we began the season of Lent. We began the season of Lent three and a half weeks ago. And you know, it seems like a lifetime ago. I realize that lots has changed in three and a half weeks. And so this morning, I want to remind you that, you know, Lent is a challenging season. If we have to go through this time with the coronavirus, this is the right time for us to be doing that. We began our Lenten series looking at encounters that Jesus had with his disciples and with others to find out how those encounters could instruct us in our lives and how appropriate it is for us to realize how we still encounter Jesus right now, today, in this place and in a world that seems to have gone a little mad. Last week, Pastor Bob stepped away from our encounter series because it was our first week worshiping by live stream only, and I think it was important for him, and he felt called to give a message that was uplifting and encouraging, a message that would help us gather together only online rather than in this space. But this morning, I'd like to return us to our encounter series, and I'd like to do that by focusing on a scripture that describes a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And at first blush, when you hear the text, you might think this doesn't feel like it has very much to do with us today and the circumstances that we're in. But I hope before our time together this morning is over that you'll realize what Jesus said and did in this encounter with his disciples has everything to do with where we are today and what we need to do to move ahead through this time that is so different from anything we've been used to. Jesus had a conversation with his disciples on the night that he prepared to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be arrested. They'd shared a meal, he'd washed their feet, but in the course of conversation, he said something to them that they didn't want to hear. He told them that they would fall away from him because of him, that they would scatter like sheep. And I'd like to read that encounter, those words to you today from Matthew's Gospel, in a version that uses very strong language for this idea of falling away. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Jesus told them that they would become deserters. That's a powerful word. And it's made more powerful by the fact he didn't just use the verb, you will desert me. He said, you will become deserters. You know, I come from a little bit of a military background, and the term deserter has a very bad connotation. There's nothing worse that you can do than desert your comrades, and in our context, desert your family, 
and in this case today, desert the Lord because of the trials and tribulations of the day. Jesus warned them that this would happen. But we need to look at this from two different perspectives. When Peter argued back and said, no, no, I'll never desert you, even if the rest do, we might think, well, you know, that's the Apostle Peter just being the way he was. He was brash, full of bravado, kind of a cocky guy. But maybe, maybe just maybe, Peter understood that his role would be to defend Jesus. And later when he learned that Jesus didn't want to be defended, he wouldn't know how to respond, and therefore he would deny Jesus. We should be careful about judging Peter harshly, because he didn't understand some things that sometimes we don't understand either. He didn't understand that we couldn't do all the hard things in our own strength that we need to rely on our Lord and Savior to do the difficult things in life. He would learn that eventually, but on that night, when he blustered and said, I will never desert you, he didn't understand yet. He thought he had been called to defend a warrior king who would overthrow Rome. He didn't understand that Jesus had been telling them about a kingdom much bigger than a worldly kingdom or the Roman Empire, but he would come to understand. And then we need to look at this story from the perspective of Jesus and what he said and did. First of all, he said to them quite matter-of-factly, you will desert me. You will become deserters. And from his actions that followed and from the way the conversation ensued, we have no reason to believe that he said it in anger or that he said it as an admonishment He was simply stating a fact about what would happen because he knew it to be true. And he reminded them. He said, you will desert me, but I will go ahead of you to Galilee. His mind was already on what would come next. His mind was already in a place where he would meet with the disciples, love the disciples, and restore the disciples, because he understood his big purpose. He understood what he was to do, and he didn't abandon God's purpose for him like people are so inclined to do. You know, to understand what happened to the disciples, it's important for us to know the state of their hearts. And Jesus used a a parable that many of us are familiar with. I'll recap it for you now. And then use Jesus' own words to explain what it means. It's the parable of the sower of seeds, who threw seeds out, and the seeds landed on different kinds of soils. Some of the seeds landed on a hard path, so they weren't able to take hold, and the birds ate them. Some of the seeds landed on rocky ground, and because they landed on rocky ground, there wasn't much soil, so they sprouted up for a time and then withered when the sun came out. Some of the seeds were sown among the thorns. And when they grew up, even though they grew a little longer than the other seeds, they were still choked out by thorns and thistles. And finally, there were those seeds that were sown in good and fertile soil, and they grew to yield a great crop. So I'd like to um, 
share Jesus' words about this parable with you because it's a little bit unusual. He told the original story, the parable itself, without explanation to a whole crowd of people. But later, he explained to the disciples what it would mean, starting with the soils that fell on the path. And this is what he said. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sowed along the path. That was Peter's heart. He didn't fully understand yet. That was Judas's heart. Although Jesus had sown seeds to his heart, his heart was hardened. And so his faith could not grow. Next, Jesus turned to the seeds that were strewn on the rocky path. And this is what he said. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's what happened to Peter and the, and the disciples on the night that Jesus was arrested. Their roots were not deep enough yet. They would become deeper later after they encountered the risen Lord. We already know about the resurrection. They didn't know for sure then. And during these times, our times today, if I'm a new believer, maybe from a month ago or two months ago, I might be wondering, where is God in all this? My roots aren't deep yet. I encourage you to hang on because your heart can become fertile soil. Next, Jesus spoke to the disciples about the seeds that fell among the thorns and the thistles. And this is what he said. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You know, even before the coronavirus, there were times when the temptations of the world acted as thorns and thistles that choked our faith. Instead of pursuing God wholeheartedly, perhaps we only partially surrendered. Perhaps instead of pursuing God wholeheartedly on a full-time basis, we spent a lot of our time pursuing our own goals and careers and wealth and power. Or perhaps we were just content where we were, not necessarily wealthy or powerful, but also not bothered with serving others as we're called to do by God. Lastly, Jesus spoke to the disciples about the seeds that fell on fertile ground. And this is what uh, he had to say about that. He said that the seeds that fell on fertile ground would yield a, a crop 100 or 50 or 30 times greater than anything they could imagine. And this is the lesson we need to learn about our own hearts. Our hearts can be that fertile soil. Our hearts can be that place where we yield the crop by working for the kingdom. But we have to cultivate that soil and those seeds if that's going to happen. And during a time like this when we're separated physically, we need to do that by worshiping online even if it feels kind of foreign, even if we miss our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
We need to turn to God's word for a time every day. Many of us have lots of spare time right now. Let's use it wisely. Let's devote some of it to cultivate our love of the Lord and our trust in the Lord. Read the scriptures. Listen to sacred music. Spend time in his word. And then use what you've learned to reach out to others. I'd like to share with you an example of a man who did exactly that. He's a modern-day example of a man whose heart went through the process of being all these different kinds of soils. There was a time in his life when he wasn't a believer, but at 23, he gave his life to the Lord. His name was Richard Stearns. He's known now, most famously, as the leader of the World Vision Organization and the writer of a book called A Hole in the Gospel which describes not only his faith journey, but what he believes the church ought to be doing in a broken world. Richard's story is interesting because when he first came to know Jesus, he was really enthusiastic, and he, his faith sprouted up like the seeds that fell in the rocky soil. But he hadn't grown deep roots yet. He was active in his church. He gave. He was a tither. When he was preparing to get married, he said in kind of a righteous way to his bride, wife-to-be, that they weren't going to buy fine china while there were children in the world who were starving. So he was trying to live into that faith. He went to work for Parker Brothers Company, the company that makes games. He became their CEO, and then suddenly ownership of the company changed, and he was fired. He got another job. He moved his family to a new place, and soon after that, he lost his job. He then had a time where he lived in the wilderness, so to speak. He was unemployed. He was worried about how he was going to take care of his family. But he used that time to draw closer to God intentionally, and he learned that God's strength was greater than his own and he couldn't accomplish on his own what he could accomplish with God. And sure enough, eventually, he was reemployed, oddly enough, by a company called Lennox, the maker of fine china. He eventually became their CEO. He moved his family into a 10-bedroom stone home and life was good for his family. But then God knocked on his door the way God often does, and he was called to go lead world vision. And he resisted that. In that case, for a time, maybe his heart was a little bit like the soil, and his faith and desire to serve God's purpose was being choked by his comfort level and by the amount of money he was earning. But eventually, a friend asked him a very important question that I'd like to share with you today. And that question was, Richard, are you willing to be open to God's will for your life? And eventually he said yes. He became the leader of World Vision for 20 years, and by saying yes to the highest purpose to which he had ever been called, he changed the world. Today we're not being called to go lead World Vision, but we are being called to a higher purpose. And most of our hearts will respond in the various ways we learned about in the parable. Some of us won't want to hear it. 
Some of us, our faith will be a little shallow in the face of this adversity. We'll want to run away. Some of us will allow the coronavirus and the changes in our daily lives to become like the thorns that choke our faith and turn our heads away from God as we try to use government directives and Lysol wipes and shopping sprees looking for toilet paper to be the solution to our problem as our culture changes. But what I want to encourage you to do today, to do everything in your power to stay close to God and your brothers and sisters in Christ, even if you can't be physically close. Pick up your phones and call folks who are lonesome. Build your faith by staying in God's word. Don't let your heart be tempted by the world and by the troubles that we have. Don't let your heart set Jesus aside. You know, sometimes we discover Christ's purpose for us, and when we do, it surpasses anything we've ever imagined. Many of us have had multiple careers or vocations. I've been through so many, I'm not going to list them all. I think I finally found the one that I'm supposed to be participating in with God. Many of us who are a little older will say, yep, I sure didn't turn out to be what I thought I was going to be when I graduated from high school. That's not unusual. But today, in this trying time, I encourage you to seek that purpose that God has for you, to serve him especially now, in this time and this place. You might be Moses, like Moses for a while and say, please send someone else. Or you might be like Richard Stearns and say, you know, God, I've always served you. I've been a church person. I, I think I am fulfilling my purpose. But then discover that God was calling him and is calling us to do something even more. You know, some of you right now might be fed up with all that's going on in the world. And you might be saying, God, I'm not in the mood for you right now. I'm not in the mood for you right now. But I know in my heart today that God is still in the mood for you. He is still calling you according to his purpose. He has work for you to do in this world right now today. He wants you to trust him. Jesus wants you to love your neighbor. And we need to focus on those neighbors who are in need, who might be isolated, who might be lonely. We can help by bringing them groceries. We can pick up our phone and call folks who we know might be feeling the pain of isolation. And that's your homework for today. I want you to spend some time to continue worshiping by calling a person or two or three or six who you know who maybe are technology challenged. Help talk them through how they can find worship online. Help them see that they can even watch today's worship on Facebook. Ask them, what you can do to help them offer a prayer. I did that yesterday with two people from our congregation. And I have to tell you, when I got off the phone with them, I felt better than I had in days. Because when we bless others, we too are blessed. Let me leave you with this thought. God is in the midst of all of this. 
He hasn't left us or forsaken us. Jesus still calls us to a holy purpose to serve his church, just as he called Peter. Just as Peter became the rock upon whom Christ would build his church, we can be the rocks upon whom our communities find comfort and strength and reassurance that things will not always be the way they are today. Because when we act as Christ's hands and feet, when we love our neighbor, when we stand resolutely in our faith, the world will see and will know that God is with us, Emmanuel, that Jesus still reigns on his throne, and that tomorrow is going to be a better day, for sure. So the question that I leave you with today, are you going to be a deserter, or will you respond to God's purpose in your life during this time of trial? I know you folks, and I know you're going to do the latter, and that we're not going to desert.